This year, Lazada, Southeast Asia's e-commerce pioneer, celebrates its 10th year anniversary. Marking this important milestone, Lazada celebrates not only just its loyal customers, but most especially businesses in its ecosystem that make the platform integral to the everyday lives of Filipinos. Having produced numerous success stories of entrepreneurs in its 10 strong years, Lazada has proven that it's indeed a trusted and reliable platform. Uplifting sellers and brands to scale their businesses online has always been at the heart of Lazada's mission, and the platform continues to innovate and open up more opportunities to Filipinos to make their entrepreneurial dreams come true. So if you're a business owner and want to take your business digital, Lazada is here to provide you the tools and tech capabilities you need to grow and scale your business online. Plus, Lazada makes it easy for you to reach a wider range of customers and gives buyers access to your products with just a few easy clicks. So visit the Lazada app and their social media pages for more details and information on how they can help you grow your business. And if you're an aspiring Lazada seller, make sure to listen to this episode to know how the Superfood Grocer, a brand that sells nutritious food products such as goji berries, chia seeds, quinoa, and other plant-based alternatives found success with the help of Lazada. And you'll never know, you could be Lazada's next success story too. Lazada. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Podmachine, the simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. I think Lazada is really your platform. It is your medium, but it's not your substance. So you really have to be very clear about who you are. Welcome to Hustle Share. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Share Podcast. I am so turned up because this is our ninth season now. And for the past eight seasons, we've been really talking to a lot of tech startups and startup founders that we've had here. But again... Technology has not just impacted tech startup entrepreneurs to get there because if there's one thing that we've realized over the past three years that we've been doing this, hustle is universal. And today, we're not just going to be talking to startup founders. Starting this season, we're going to diversify more. Of course, there's always going to be a tech play in it, right? Because um, our friends from Lazada has enabled a lot of entrepreneurs who are not technically default startup founders but they went through the same hustle to get it there. So again, before we start, let me just congratulate our friends from Lazada for their 10th year anniversary. You are now good for middle school, but before I get carried away, let's welcome this super couple, Miss Carmela Cancho Go and Ralph Go of the Superfood Grocer. Welcome to the show, guys. How are you? Uh, Hi, Ronster. Hello. Again, thank you. And again, massive, Hello. massive, massive congratulations. I've low-key stalked you for a while. And I've seen how amazing your journey has been. But before I get to it, I've been asking this for three years and above now. But for the ninth season, I need to ask you the million-dollar question. Carmela and Ralph, what's your hustle? Um, well, we empower fellow Filipinos with better choices by providing plant-based food alternatives that are better for the body, 
better for the planet, better for farmers, and better for animals. Absolutely. So everything is rooted in goodness. Rooted in goodness and yumminess, of course, because the superfood grocer obviously is has been a, a massive success pre-pandemic, during pandemic, and hopefully post-pandemic. And that's what we want to be able to do. Now, I need you guys to buckle up. We have a seven-seater here. And of course, our friends from Gazada, who's also here in our thing, need you to buckle up, take a seat, because we're going to have to go all the way back and find how these guys, a super couple, hustled together, because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. All right. So, you know, it's, it's always a special episode when I talk to hustler couples because I, it's very, very hard to work with your significant other, in my case, uh, and, and, and do well in the relationship and also at the same time um, in, your, in your business. But I wanted to find out individually first. Let's start with Carmela. Um, Carmela, what, what was your early recall in hustling? Was there an influence in business or a hustler in the family that helped you, you know, get exposed to, to do business, uh, I mean, down the road? Was there something that you did early on that you remember uh, that allowed you to hustle? Hmm, that's a tough question. I would say that when I was in high school, since I'm the eldest child, I've always felt this big responsibility to step up and make sure that, you know, my family is taken care of. And um, I wanted to use my skills to make sure that happens. And I wanted to be as resourceful as possible. So not just limited by um, the box or the set path. So that's my start on hustling. Got it. No, that's a, that's the at the syndrome technically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you yeah. know I, that that responsibility, you know, um, really comes through, and the, being responsible early, uh, and being a right, uh, being a, a good example for the rest of your siblings always comes through. Because at the end of the day, as an as an entrepreneur down the road, you can't you can't be a, a polar opposite of what you're striving to do for. But Around college, or was there any first few businesses or was there any first few jobs that you did that allowed you yeah. to prepare to uh, create a superfood grocer? Oh, definitely not related to the superfood grocer, but we've done a lot of crazy things. You know, my in college, I think my best friend and I, uh, for All Souls Day, you know how Filipinos are, we gather in cemeteries. So we put up a, I wasn't vegan yet then. I think we put up a, a chicken, a chicken stall, a rice meal stall. And we called it, uh, it was like cute chicks or something like that. <laughs> really embarrassing things. Um, but it was really the hustle. It's just a side business. Um, I also worked for corporate. So I, I worked under Unilever wow. uh, for brand. And, um, you know, eventually when I, when I left the company, I put up a company that served my previous company. So they became my clients. Oh. So yeah, I, that time, uh, when I left this, uh, in Unilever, that was uh, the time when social media was just about to start or to, to oh. have its peak. So back then the company wasn't really willing to invest in digital advertising. Yeah. And I was really ramped up about it. I really believe that you know digital was 
you know, the future, the direction for the future. So yep. back then there was no link between physical and digital. So we put up a photo booth where for every event, you know, because FMCG companies have a lot of events yeah. um, in school activations, supermarket and whatnot. So we would digitalize uh, the physical events and bring it to the social media platform. So that was our business back then. <laughs> That is amazing. Yeah. So from offline to online or online. To, or, yeah, making right. the, the bridge for that. Yeah. Got it. So you can post it on your friends, there's your multipliers or your early versions of Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> story, yes. Friendster, multiply, Facebook. Yes. Yeah, right. That's right. That's amazing. Okay. Now let's turn over to our Mr. Again, Ralph. How about you? Um, I wanted to understand because eventually we will culminate into the love story. Uh, that, uh, but, but more than any, more than that, I wanted to understand Ralph your your origin story. Was there any um, hustler in the family that influenced you, or did you get forced to contribute, like in a family business early? Um, what was that like? Yeah, my family is into business, but I wouldn't say they you know, instilled the hustle in me. I think it came from my background also. Because I was into I was a lot I was into a lot of martial arts. Oh um, wow okay this I, guy I will my, never mess with even if it's your if it's your fault I will say sorry to you. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I, I'm going to I'm going to interrupt a bit, but Ralph is very humble. He's actually the first Filipino to rank as like number one or number two in the world in Asia and Brazil and Europe. So he's, he's a world-level athlete for jiu-jitsu. Oh my God. Are yeah. you serious? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So again, Ralph, I forgive you even if you ever did me wrong. You're, you're, I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, just kidding. But wow. So it's, it's sports. It's sports. Yeah, that yeah, sports. Discipline that, that, uh, that's your hustle. Yeah, what? I was into martial arts a lot. So I was into training and then eventually I was into competing a lot. I used to go to Europe, US, Brazil, oh, all over Asia gosh. and train and compete. So I guess in some ways that, that was my hustle. No? Like I was exposed to, you know, hard work and always like trying to expand your horizon, always trying to right. learn and be exposed to new things. Um, yeah, and it kind of exposed me to a lot of other people. So I saw their habits and perspectives and how they, how that put them like, you know, um, to be more successful than, you know, put, put them like you know, above the rest, you know, that's what set them, set them apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did that for many years. Yeah. I was competing and training for a long time. That's amazing. And uh, I, I can, I can relate because uh, though I'm not a world-class athlete, I'm a a world class fat leap. That was I, what that's uh, what I was for a long time. But I was a uh, I, I played varsity ball in high in high school. But one thing that what's so formative about sports is the discipline, the grit, and the never give up attitude, and also the the, the competitiveness that it, it teaches you. I just wanted to understand the psyche, Ralph, because again, business is a team sport. First of all. Right, it's a team sport. You cannot win alone. In order for you to achieve anything that's going to be worthwhile, you need you have to surround yourself your, uh, with the, with with a team that's going to help you get there and play roles. But I want to understand from your point of view, from sports to business, what are those things that stick through through now that you know that that apply that carried over? Because like for me, I run my team like a 
basketball team. Like everybody's got a role. Someone's a point guard. Someone's doing all this shit, and people need to 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 work in harmony to give ourselves a chance to win. But for you, what were those uh, qualities like? Yeah, I think it's, it's. I mentioned already. I think it's just habit and perspective. I mean, in sports, you have to have like strong habits, right? When you're competing. Same with business. I mean, you have to have like you know consistency, strong habits. You need to have perspective also with regards to you know your vision. Um, you also have to surround yourself with people that um, can help you, that can complement you, because we're not. We're not like you know the perfect um, manager employee. Um, a lot of people have their own strengths, which can help you in, in a lot of ways. So for me, I mean, I was involved in sports a lot. I met a lot of people from all nationalities. You you, you respect them. Um, I think I, I carry that also with our company. I, I respect a lot of our employees. I try to reach out to them. So, yeah, and so just have a like a synergy within the company and personal personally yeah just habits and perspective that's amazing that's great and here's what i wanted to find out next so okay you have this this you ralph with a sports background and carmela obviously with, with the grit and the grind and what she did for for corporate before i wanted to find out was the superfood grocer the first venture you tried uh, to do together or is this a product of you guys deciding to go vegetarian or go vegan? Mm, I, I think it was more of like, it didn't come out as a need, uh, hey, let's start a business and then let's, uh, let's have a business plan and things like this. It came at a time because like I was competing a lot. And then I think I turned vegan that time. And then a lot of people were asking me, hey, what, what, do, you, what, do, you, I know, what do you take for like your supplements? What do you eat now? And then I was like, oh, I, I take this, you know, I take like maca powder and I take uh, flax seeds. And then people are, people are like, where do you buy those? And then I told Carmel, hey, why don't we just like, you know, sell this to my friends because they've been asking uh, me anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's how it started. It wasn't really like, you know, a business plan. Mm-hmm. It was just like part of my lifestyle that people were interested in at that time. I think that's Ralph's perspective. But I think from my side, it was different. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was my greatest fear was to lose my parents because of disease yeah. and to feel helpless about it because mm. you can't do anything about it now. It's mm. old age or it's your genes or whatnot. Um, so my mom was diabetic. And when I learned more about you know nutrition and lifestyle and how your choices can make a difference, um, it's what empowered me to, to want to pursue this. So that's my angle, I think. Got it. But did you guys go vegan together? Is this like a or Ralph? Was it you? No, personally? no. Okay. Well, yeah, I was. I was vegan. I was vegan for like I think more more than a year and a half before we met. Actually. Oh, amazing. So, was that like a conscious decision, or how how did that? Obviously, there's influence to go vegan. That that's gonna be part of you being a couple. But and I understand Ralph that. It's so true, and be prior to me talking to you guys, access to these you know superfoods that's out there is very hard till now. And I'm just probably naive, you know, because I'm trying to. I also had battles with bad health decisions. I used to smoke. I used to weigh 230 pounds. I didn't exercise, and that caught up. And I'm just 34, right? And I I've, I had to you know 
um, erase a lot of bad habits, right? Um, but for, for you, how did that conscious effort to go vegan together? I, I mean, Carmelo, you eventually caught up. When did that happen and what was the trigger point? I think at that point, uh, I was into a lot of sports that, at that time. I saw someone talk about uh, a plant-based diet. He was talking about it in the UFC after winning. He said, oh, I'm on a plant-based diet. It feels wonderful. And then he recommended a book. It's called The China Study. And then I was like, oh, okay, I want, I want to learn about this. And I started reading about it. And then it started, it started talking about a lot of uh, how like, what you eat affects uh, chronic right. disease. I think it affects like cancer, diabetes, heart disease. Right. And at, at that time, my grandfather had diabetes. So I was like very interested at, at that point because I wanted to help him somehow. Okay. And I learned that you can actually reverse diabetes through a plant-based diet. And my grandfather had been diabetic for a long time. So that's when I endeavored to learn more about it. And then eventually learn more about like uh, the environmental impacts of food, the animal welfare impacts. Pero that was, I guess, the starting point for me because my, my grandfather was uh, Got it. sick at that time. That's what made me turn on my switch. And, oh, okay, I wanted to learn more. And then I eventually switched to turning vegan that time. All right. So yeah. where are you, Carmela? Uh, I guess you, you followed suit. But what was the trigger point for you to, to go vegan also? Actually, yeah, we went vegan separately. Um, mm. And we, when we met, we were already both vegan so we we both went on our individual journeys as well okay for me my mother was once i mentioned her um but also i i think i was heartbroken and i was you know at the bottom of um my state in life whatnot and i wanted to become the best version of myself and i remember being in in a bookstore and you know sitting in the the nutrition section because becoming the best version of myself meant physically emotionally mentally spiritually but not so for the physical part back then health um you know there were no help being healthy wasn't cool back then um it was really about i think what was also that time was like zagu or like, you know, <laughs> mga, milk tea uh, there you go yeah, yeah it was the start of milk tea the start yeah. of milk tea but also like more cold light oh um, a lot of the south beach diet that was oh. also back then so most of the the books in the bookstore the recipe books are all about that and then there was one book it was called thrive mm. and it was a book of, by an athlete a triathlete who was thriving on plant-based um functional foods and i was like this is interesting how would you thrive on a plant-based lifestyle if you're an athlete so that's what got me started and interested as well and this stupid question, because again, I'm all, I'm super confused here all the time. What is the difference between vegetarian and vegan? Mm. Well, if you want to look at a like, technical in terms of the food mm. elements, um, vegan means no animal products. So Ooh. that would also include no milk and no eggs. So for vegetarian, it includes dairy and eggs. Got so it. that's the main difference. And you guys both are now in uh, where? Vegan or being vegetarian? But well, I'm right. vegan. I mean, God. wow. Yeah. I, mean, I cannot imagine yeah. life without eggs. I'm so, sorry. But, yeah. <laughs> Dude. No, but it's so much easier now because <laughs> of all the innovations and including <sighs> the work we've done um, for the products that never existed before. So now it's. I would say it's really easier. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. There's a lot of vegan products in the Philippines now. 
Right. So that, that's what we wanted to know. But before we take our first break, how did the idea? So you've already started selling this, uh, Ralph. You know, like giving access to those people who are asking you about it. But how did that turn into something to be a business, and you, that you guys decided to do together? I think I was in a restaurant in a mall, and I remember having that the uh, placemat, the paper placemat. Okay. I remember asking for a pen and writing and doodling on it because I suddenly had this eureka moment. Oh, wow! Where um, I blended together all the things that Ralph and I would always take on our in our personal life. If we would blend a smoothie, uh, we called it a green smoothie. So it was a mix of fresh leafy greens. And then fruits and it and uh, functional superfoods, so they have benefits. So maca for stress adaptogen, flaxseeds for omega three, and camu camu for your vitamin C, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they ha- all had different benefits. And when you blend it up, it's green, and you'll be scared because like, oh, it's this green thing. It must taste like veggies, but it really right. just tastes like a fruit shake. It was so yummy. So we created this superfood starter pack where we had this very easy recipe on how to make the smoothies in less than five minutes. And then we just add the superfoods and the superfoods all came in, in one box. So it was user-friendly and we wanted to incorporate it as a habit. So it's a daily habit for everybody. So that's how we started the business idea. Yeah. It's so hard to master that. Because I tried before. I tried. Not going vegan, but tried to incorporate greens. And just for the longest time, I don't eat vegetables. Still now, it's, it's still not my go-to food. Tried playing around with it. Tried to play it around with spirulina. I didn't know that you should put <laughs> Oh my God, I checked on that. <laughs> like, so much spirulina. <laughs> there are some key secrets to that, or key hacks. So the first, if you use frozen bananas, like the lakatan. Yeah. yeah. You have to get the one that's overripe, the ones with black spots oh. on the skin. It's actually, it has more cancer-fighting um, nutrients in it. Wow. So that's, and it's cheaper. It's usually sold at half price. Yeah, because it's so, sold already, right? It's a, yeah. It's going to so be freeze those. Soon, yeah, but if you freeze them and then you blend them, it actually tastes like, um, like a vanilla milkshake. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, it's really, it's a very delicious base and it's very affordable. Right. I think that's what they use for Halo Halo probably as well for sometimes. And they do? I'm not sure. But anyway. I think they use right. Sabado. Yes. <laughs> Again, I don't as you, as, as you can see, I don't prepare my food. All right. Now let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's now dig deep in how you guys started the Superfood Grocer and how you guys grew all the way with Lazada and thrived during the pandemic. Let's talk about that more after the break. And we're back in the break. We are still with Ralph and Carmela, who then told us the benefits. And now we are a healthy podcast. So we're not just talking about hustle. This is going to be going to get very interesting because, again, access to this and knowledge, as you can see, how naive and borderline stupid I am with these things and, and what to do. But of course, we know the market isn't there. But when you started out 2013, um, I mean, 2011 or 2013, when, when did you guys start this up? Yeah, end of 2012, okay. conceptualization. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, so 10 years ago, it, again, it wasn't the sexy thing. There's still a lot of vices out there. It eventually became uh, more, more, more mainstream, but access and even an, uh, awareness to this wasn't even 
that. So what was the first few hurdles you had to overcome when you decided, all right, we'll create the superfood grocer. Now what? Just typically that's it. You have a eureka moment, but everything that you planned, nothing or not everything goes as what you envisioned it to be, especially e-commerce back then in 2012, thank God Lazada is what it is now, wasn't even what, what, we, what we enjoy. How, what were those early hurdles or first punches that almost yeah, made yeah. you tap out? Yeah. Well, I mean, at first, we, we started online. We started uh, Facebook first and then we had a custom website made. Mm. And I remember our custom website was so bad because like, whenever you buy multiple items in your in, in the cart, you have to pay for it on one by one. So you can't <laughs> all at the same time. Oh my god! So if, you, right. if you buy five items, you have to pay. You have to check out five times. Yeah, yeah, that's how oh it was. And then, um, yeah. So we eventually shifted to uh, um, a better online tool. But I mean, in the beginning, it it wasn't so much about like um, selling zero like products. It was more of us sharing yung vegan lifestyle or plant-based yeah. lifestyle. We would actually promote that, you know, you don't actually need the products uh, for your health. You can just follow a plant-based lifestyle and it would improve your, you know, your health. Um, right. These things that we're selling, they're not a requirement for you. If you want to add it, great, but it's not, it's not really, you know, it's not essential. We, we, we used to give workshops also in the beginning uh, where we invite people and we talk about- so always uh, sold out, lifestyle. yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'd have we'd prepare some uh, vegan food and talk about you know me and me and Carmela's uh, journey and then plant based lifestyle. Then of, of course we'd share some of the products, but as I said, we we tell them like I mean you don't you don't actually need it. It's, it's mm. not essential. So it wasn't really about like you know we must sell this products so this this amount reach a certain amount. It's more it's more like you know we're sharing something just a part of our lives. Yeah, yeah, to other people. Yeah, and I, I think what Ralph was also trying to say is that in the beginning, it, it was really an advocacy, a focus on education. Mm. It wasn't really hard selling. It was more, we really wanted to help people. We really wanted to empower them through knowledge and, you know, just letting them know that, because the, the, this thing, the impact of this is so meaningful to everyone because it's about your mom, your dad, your kids, right. your right. grandparents, someone very close to you. It's, it's, it's. It's, it's going to impact them. So that's just how we viewed it. Mm. And I think um, it actually went back to us positively because people, you know, people believed in us because we weren't trying to push a product. It wasn't a shortcut diet, a quick mm-hmm. diet or quick fix pill. It was really, you know, just empowerment. Um, a lot of people think when you're in plant-based diet, like, ah, you're deprived, but it's yeah. like that. The way we look at it is you're empowered. You, may, you make these good choices, good decisions, and they have positive results. So we ha- actually had word of mouth from there. Um, we, we were surprised because we only had a Facebook page back then in social media, mm-hmm. and we didn't have an Instagram account. Right. And we would have, Ralph mentioned we had workshops and mm-hmm. My sister suddenly said, you know, you should have an Instagram account. And I was like, what's Instagram? So I, I logged in, I signed up, <laughs> yeah, I registered. And it turns out we had a lot of tags, a lot of hashtags. Wow. Um, so many people, including celebrities, influencers, mm. like 
and none of them were sponsored. You know, they would really just post out of their own volition because they really believed in it and they were really inspired by it. And it was really making a, a positive impact on their lives as well. So not just physically, but also, you know, emotionally thinking that, you know, believing that you're making these good habits for yourself, you're, you're trying to become the best person of yourself. So that's how we started. Technology actually really helped us have word of mouth exponentially. So that's what happened for us. Um, we're very blessed about that. Um, yeah, so that's the start. If you're asking about initial hurdles, it actually wasn't the digital side. It was the opposite yeah. for us. It was I, the I traditional, the okay. traditional side that was a, a hurdle for us because um, you know more and more people were hearing about us, but they didn't know where to buy because, as Ralph mentioned, our checkout site was back, <laughs> like so backward. Yeah. <laughs> so it was about how do we get present in supermarkets? How how can we get these traditional established you know channels take us seriously? We're a startup company that you know, comp- competing against established 100-year-old 100, 100 FMCG companies. Yeah. So that was the hurdle for us, I think, how to have credibility and, you know, be taken into these credible channels. Got it. But yeah. I wanted to, to ask, well, in terms of, of, of the back end, just everything that we do now or what we enjoy now in, in, a, in a world where, again, Lazada exists, where... From order all the way to fulfillment, it's so easy because everything's tied together. But before we even talk about that journey as a user or as a customer, I wanted to find out first the first use or first SKUs that you guys had. Because yes, you were advocating for the thing, but I'm pretty sure when you guys started out, you had very limited things on your roster that you came in. But I'm pretty sure also there's one thing or a couple of things that, that went well that allowed you to create momentum. What were those and how did you piggyback on, on having that, uh, that those, those champion products, Carmela? I would say the first few SKs would be the, the five to six in the starter pack. And so that would be Maka, Spirulina, so cacao nibs, coconut sugar, and malungai. And it was a combination, I think flax seeds and chia seeds came later on, but it was a combination of um, products that were sourced internationally, but also products that we sourced from local partner farmers in the Got Philippines. It. So we wanted to champion both. And um, I think in terms of the, one of the most popular, uh, it would vary for athletes and for those who were very stressed, you know, those who were working a lot and couldn't sleep, or for those working BPO industries, maca powder was our star SKU uh, when we were starting because it's a stress adaptogen. So it helps balance your cortisol levels, your stress hormone. And when your stress hormones are balanced, then it allows you to reach deeper sleep. And when you reach deeper sleep, you can also have shorter sleep because you reach the deep phase of sleep faster. So you can wake up without an alarm clock in like five hours and feel very refreshed. So um, it also allows you to recover faster. So if you're an athlete, um, it helped a lot for them. Yeah. Um, It was also known for fertility. Um, Oh, so I didn't that's know that. Okay. And also for, for women who have dysmenorrhea or for cramps, it also helped them because it balanced your hormones. 
So, I will get this for my wife. Okay, I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> so, Mako was one, yeah. But there are others. And cacao nibs was also a popular one because it's it's chocolate in its purest form. So, without the processing, right. um, without as much processing, no added um, milk. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was coated in coconut sugar, but it was lower in glycemic index. So, people enjoyed it as an alternative mm-hmm. to chocolate. It's healthier. It's so, amazing. Yeah. And just by you talking about it, it, it sounds something that, again, no-brainer for you to take on. But, okay, let's talk about the business part. Okay, so you have momentum. You have great products. But, again, it's a team sport. How did you guys decide that, all right, let's take this on full-time? Because I'm pretty sure that decision was going to be monumental. And how did you make sure that you guys had the role and it does and how – and if there's clashes, how do you make sure that there's a perfect balance between two amazing entrepreneurs like you guys? <laughs> For your first question, how to decide when it's full time, um, there was no plan B for me. It was plan A all the way. Plan B is so, make plan A work, technically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't have a corporate job back then anymore. So okay. it was really this or nothing. So wow. it had to work. Wow. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I, I, I was so passionate about it and really enjoying it that it wasn't about the financial returns. It was really just creating something that was meaningful and that was impactful to others. And I think, you know, the fruits of that come back to you financially as well. Um, in terms of working together, uh, I'm not sure. I think Ralph has a different answer. Ralph, I, I always say, oh, I really love working with Ralph. Like, I can't experience the stress. And then Ralph's like, this is the most stressful thing for me. <laughs> okay, we'll have version A and version B in a bit. So you don't yeah. no stress. Okay, Ralph, how about you? What is your point of view here? And how do you, what, what, walk me through that, that magic formula. Because I've seen, Super couples here before that, you know, uh, the, the guy will de- say do finance and marketing and, you know, uh, the girl will do creatives. Again, I'm not stereotyping that I've seen uh, a literal division of work where there's there's an overlap, but it's small. And you guys thrive on what you guys do. So for Ralph, what's your point of view on how you, you made this work? Well, Carmelis came from a marketing background no? from Unilever. Right. So she's very good in brand and marketing. So she always, I mean, took that side. And then me, I took the operations, operation side, the HR side, you know, hiring, everything. So Carmela could focus on her niche, you know, marketing talaga. So that was the division of work for us. Right. Now, okay. Again, this is a team sport. How did you surround yourselves? yourselves with the right team that complements those two amazing crates that you guys had because even if you guys tried i know at, at the start it's going to be you hustling getting these boxes yeah. filling orders whatever that that might be but eventually as this grows you're going to have to surround yourself with the right team um how did you guys do that yeah at first it, in the beginning especially if it's like like a passion project it's it's you, the founder, doing everything. Yep. You're, you're the one uh, printing the stickers. You know, you're not even ordering from a supplier. You go paying to print the stickers. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, you're going to be cutting the sticker. And then, um, you know, uh, fulfilling the orders. But yeah, I mean, of course, eventually, um, you'd scale up and 
hire people. Right. If you see the business is uh, viable, right? There are people ordering. You know, I think it, I think our ano talaga, we just wanted to uh, do things fast, like get it out fast. Doesn't matter if it's perfect, perfect packaging, yeah. perfect, perfect label. Kahit na yeah. the house, we would still put it out. And then when we see there's demand, we're gonna be like, oh, okay, people are actually interested. Then maybe we can, you know, scale it up more. Yeah, yeah. that's we actually ever, one of the I principles just, for us. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think in our team. Yeah, in our in our team, we really instill that principle in having the courage to start before it's perfect, to launch before it's perfect, and um, we have a lot. You know, if you look back, we have a lot of cringe moments, like a lot. You know, there's one we launched vegan cookies, chocolate chip cookies, so fast that the only way we could keep it chewy was to put two slices of white bread in oh. the package. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was how we started. And um, even our ice cream, you know, we have, we have vegan ice cream. Um, we started and one flavor, we had two flavors, chocolate and coffee. One flavor, the coffee was so soft. And wow. so they would be in the same freezer. So we have to increase you know, make make it colder, uh, make the temperature colder, and then the other one, the chocolate was so hard, naman. Okay, we have to make the temperature hotter. It was impossible. It was just um, melted soup or some soup kind of ice cream. The other one's ice candy version of ice cream. It was really bad, um, but we had to do it. We had to get out there. And fast forward now, um, that same ice cream line, the dairy free ice cream line, won awards in, wow. in London, the international awards. So I don't know, I think, um, I, I think timing also really had a lot to do with it back then, you know, just starting before it's perfect, starting before you're ready, before just going for it. Um, yeah. And that was the fun of it. I think our team, you know, our, our team, a lot of our members who were there when we started are still with us and we laugh about it when we remember these, these times. <laughs> yes. And now I wanted to understand because timing is indeed important and you nailed it right in the head. And it happened when, again, all these e-commerce platforms, especially Lazada, coming in. But what, what was that decision like, especially coming, maximizing this, this infra and this... Again, we, 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 we got Steve C of great deals. Again, this uh, this mammoth. What like he he he's so blown away of how e-commerce can literally you know scale things up. What was that journey for you to decide? All right, let's get to Lazada, and people probably don't know how to do this, but whatever. And how did you see the fruits of that investment come through? That's a good question for us, especially since we were not a traditional company to begin with. So I think a lot of the traditional companies really feel it right away, black and white, jumping into Lazada, coming from traditional retail and instantly you're on Mm e-commerce. But we were already an e-commerce company. We were a digital company. Um, So what were the main differences between coming from a company that already had their own online channel and jumping into the Lazada's e-commerce channel. I would say you're right about scalability. Lazada is a very powerful platform that we're so thankful for. Startup founders like us are so thankful for because suddenly we are catapulted into this platform that allows us to go head to head against giants, against established FMCGs without the same resources. So for example, if back then 
to thrive as um, a consumer goods company, you have to have hundreds of delivery trucks for your logistics. You have to be present in thousands of supermarket branches. You have to have your own marketing team with your own agencies for PR, for creative agency, for what activations agency, whatnot, for copywriting, et cetera. Um, You know, all these are suddenly just reduced to basically like be able to do it from home. (laughs) You know, it's suddenly all these high capital expenditures are no longer required to be able to create products that actually contribute and make an impact to people and still be able to make significant revenues and reach your market. So yeah, I think platforms like Lazada really made that possible, including, you know, data, business insights, um, your logistical uh, systems, your operations, you know, just to set up, because we did, we did that from scratch. We set up our own logistics um, department. So we had our own riders, we had our own systems for having to send products, uh, deliver them back then. And then suddenly jumping to Lazada, it you just, it's like a quantum leap. Yep. So, yeah. It's a cheat so I would, code, they call it. Yeah. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Lazada definitely, definitely added so much value to us as startup founders. But also now in the next phase allows us to also focus on our core competence, which is, you know, instead of focusing or diluting our energy and focusing on, okay, logistics or customer service or, you know, just create copywriting or even just being present in a thousand branches, physical branches. Suddenly now we're focused on innovation or on creating new products. So yeah, we'll be thankful for that. That's amazing. But last question before we take our last big wrap, I wanted to understand pandemic. Right, so you've done this move pre-pandemic, but how did the dynamic? How did you overcome that hurdle? Obviously, we all have our own versions of the horror stories of what the pandemic brought through, especially in 2020 and 2021. But how were you able to eclipse those, still thrive um, despite the challenges that were thrown at you? Yes, actually, during the pandemic, it was in 2020. You know, yeah. Was it March? Uh, yeah, March. Yeah, I was following it like closely. Uh, me and Carmela were was aware like there's a pandemic that's gonna happen. Um, it wasn't in the Philippines yet, and I was like showing her this is the possibility. Uh, you know, a lot of people can get infected. And then when the lockdown started, um, our company actually didn't shut down, unlike a lot of other companies. In the beginning, like the first shut first lockdown, a lot of people just like shut down. Yeah, because I I believe they assumed na parang oh let's shut down for like two or three weeks, weeks. and then you can write it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what people that's what people expecting. But I was like, no, we're we're not gonna shut down. This is probably gonna take a while. If we shut down, our, we won't be able to pay our employees. So we need to keep operating for them, so we can you know give their salaries. We don't want to cut anyone's salary. We don't want to lay anyone off. So yeah, we, we, just, we just kept on operating. We we're also fortunate as well na our production facility, a lot of the employees live close to, close to the, no? the production facility. So they were not... Right in uh, front of the facility. Uh, yeah. Directly across by the, the facility. Transportation. No? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, like um, a, lot of, a lot of other employees, na, they had a hard time going to work. So we put them at work from home. Even... Some employees na, that were not supposed to be working, we allowed them to do this to support them during that time. 
Pero, I mean, we were able to thrive because we just shifted our focus more towards online platforms. Like, like Lazada really boomed that time. So our online sales grew a lot during that time. Um, our retail sales, though, got hit, of course, because a lot of the supermarkets, a lot less people were going. Logistics was um, just a terrible thing back then. I, I remember shelves yeah, empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Pre-pandemic, our supermarket sales were really strong. But during the pandemic, it was reversed. So the online was strong and the supermarkets got hit a lot. Yeah. Our, our mentality that time was like, we will keep operating you know, as long as we can. Um, for empl- for our employees because we believed in the beginning palang na it will be a long time this pandemic will be a long time that is amazing and again yeah. that's gonna be possible only because you did the pre-work you've already been in e-commerce in Lazada imagine a lot of those uh, businesses that got, got, got caught flat-footed that I've seen during the pandemic was they were not on, on e-commerce yet right and then when the e-commerce yeah, when the the pandemic came we they were forced to do that and they had no familiarity here was an easy transition for you even if you had gotten hit on retail you still have another distribution channel that is a behemoth where everybody actually thrive all right let's take our last break and when we come back we will talk about the tips on how you guys can replicate the success of the superfood grocer in e-commerce and also be great hustlers like this amazing couple but let's talk about that more after the break and we're back in the break. We are still with Ralph and Carmela. Go again. Who told us their amazing journey of how they've evolved and how that advocacy of just helping people become healthier became a real behemoth of a business. And they were still able to dodge and actually thrive uh, the pandemic when it got hit. But again, we nobody goes unscathed. I'm pretty sure you, you took a lot of, of sucker punches and, you know, that, that, uh, that hit hard. I want to understand because as you scale up businesses, you just move on from baby problems to monster problems. And I want to understand as you scale the business up and this becomes a more complex organization, a more complex machine, what were those problems you had to overcome now? Especially in the e-commerce game where you guys obviously thriving, you have production and all these things. Can you guys paint the picture of what are those things that are that you you had to go through? I think the problem, oh, one of one of the dilemmas our, our company faces is, I guess it's the entrepreneur's dilemma, no? Yeah. Like you want to do ev- you want to do everything. Yes. Like come as a as a you know, we're passionate about plant based products. Right. Our dilemma is always like, I mean, we want to do a lot of things. We want to do like vegan cheese, vegan meals. Mm-hmm. We want to be a one stop shop for vegan food. Right. We want to make vegan, you know, uh, plant-based milk using Philippine agriculture. Right. So I guess that's that's a difficulty for us because it's hard for us to focus on like where are we gonna what what are we gonna do which one no? mm-hmm. if we're so passionate about like everything. And also to to clarify for that, I think it's also balancing. Like, do we go for? I mean, balancing your advocacy of really genuinely contributing and helping people become their healthiest selves, and that would mean selling salads, but not everyone wants a salad and it's not going to be the most scalable or profitable, at least for the Philippine market that mm. is not naturally inclined to eat fresh salads. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're a, we're a, we like rice, we like our ulam, we like our corned beef, we like our pancet canton. Right. Um, so 
financially, it's not the most scalable business model to pursue that. What's the solution that you guys come up with? Because again, it, I totally agree. It, it's a shiny object syndrome. Like, let's conquer the world, guns blazing, 10 things at a time. But in reality, you can only place bets on one or two, three tops uh, to do that. But what, was there a system that you guys, or the dynamic that you guys had to agree on? And of course, there's going to be healthy debates for sure <laughs> on how, <laughs> how to attack those. So how did you guys uh, overcome that? With a lot of introspection. No. We constantly have debates, debates on it until now. Yeah, but I think based on experience, at least for me, based on experience, I think what works is to really have a minimal viable product and just test out the market. Look for the response because you can you can theorize as you know we can be focused on theory all day long and debate about it, but you really have to take action. So sometimes I mean we're very lucky and privileged to be in a position where we can actually test them, Mm -hmm. not just one thing but a number of things. Um, Lazada, platforms like Lazada allow us to do that because we can suddenly launch three different products and, you know, study the market response. So that's, that would be my, my, uh, recommendation to, to go with small steps, take action, instead of being paralyzed and test, keep testing and improving consistent, small improvements, I think yield big results in the long term. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's important also to have a strong team. Because in the beginning, like as a startup, you, you, you'd always want to bootstrap everything. Or if you can figure it out yourself, you would you do it. Right. I think maybe that hindered us a, a little bit in the beginning. Uh, we didn't hire like, a strong team immediately. We tried to like do it ourselves. But mm-hmm. if you want to really scale and you want to pursue all these you know, products for growth, um, it's important you have a strong team to support you. Right. What what, yeah. what positions did you like had to fill in specifically to strengthen that team that you were mentioning about? For me, I would say I had to replace myself. Oh, um, yeah. To free obviously. up, you know, to yeah, to free up my time and energy to be able to work on more strategic right. uh, and more important uh, tasks that were required that only I could do. Right. So that was the beginning. I also think just as you know, support what what Ralph mentioned about the difficulty of hiring people back then it was also because it's a very new category yeah um it's very difficult to hire r&d who to make vegan ice cream when they've never made vegan ice cream in their lives like some people can't even imagine ice cream without milk like how can you make ice cream without milk Mm -hmm. um or and then expect them to make you know all these innovative products so now i think it's just really about you know having really taking a risk with your team and learning together even if you're all starting with Zoom. <laughs> Correct. and it's fun i actually like it i i like it because it's, a, it's you're at the brink of change you know right. you're doing things that have never been done before so i find it very exciting and that's where also a lot of entrepreneurs struggle because again as hustlers especially if you're a founder You've pretty much done everything that you're delegating. And it, it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of, of you know, self-restraint to prevent yourself mm-hmm. from zooming in. Like, hey, let me do this today, you know, because at the end of the day, yes. you're also healthy, hurting your company. If at the end of the day, the something that you need to delegate or automate is still something that you refuse to give up. And then who else is going to yes. be doing the stuff that you should be doing, like hiring, fundraising, whatever it is that you need to decide on. Yes. Uh, as well. Yeah. 
I agree. I, I think you really have to have a level of detachment and trust. You just have to have faith in your team that although they can't, they don't execute it the way you would personally, they execute it excellently nonetheless in their own unique way, which Correct. is still aligned with your company vision. So I think it's just stepping back in terms of you as an individual and really letting the team, you know, a, a whole, like being a team player. Absolutely. That. That well, is, yeah. I'll just ask you a little bit on the quality of the team. I, I know I've been uh, trying to zoom in on, on this a little bit. Without specifically naming positions, what what characteristics of of, of 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 the people? What are the characteristics of the people that you decided to hire to surround yourself with? Because at the end of the day, if it's not a culture fit to how you guys operate, it's gonna be a messy, messy, messy team, right? Were yes. there specific traits that you look for in the team, or at least you continue to look for if you're still hiring, so that people that want to join this crusade that you guys in will try to to understand. First off, I want to say I'm really grateful, extremely grateful to our team. They allow us to be able to do what we do and also live a balanced life. Mm -hmm. So I'm so grateful for everything they've done for us and they continue to do for us and with us. Mm -hmm. Um, So traits, one would be, the first would be character. Um, I think character is so important. And it's something that you cannot train you cannot teach character. It, come, it comes with them. <laughs> so that's one. Character includes you know, being able to be humble to accept um, feedback mm. without taking it personally. Yep. You know, some people can't take feedback. They take it personally because they think it's a reflection of their worth, which is not true. Correct. To give feedback means we want all of us to improve. So the, to be able, to, so yeah, character to want to grow to want to continuously improve. So that growth mindset is very important. Um, Self-leadership is important for us. Um, As an entrepreneur, I think, you know, you're starting, you you cannot be a manager when you are the founder or when when you're trying to scale or build a business. It's difficult to take on two hats of being a manager or a supervisor, a direct supervisor, and at the same time, the leader of your strategy of your company's heading. So we need team members who can lead themselves. Um, There are some younger members before, like when they're too, maybe when they're younger, they expect the value of their life or the meaning of their life to come from external sources. Like, oh, my boss has to be the one to give meaning to my life. My boss or my work has to give meaning to my life. If I'm not happy in my work, I'm not happy in my life. And right. just giving so you you can't work with because you have to carry them. <laughs> right. You want people you you want to work with a team that um that can lead themselves that also have um a sense of worth outside of um your direct supervision. Right. Um, people who are fulfilled on their own and mm-hmm. who find meaning on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just align in that direction. Um and go getters, go getters, oh, cowboy. Go, go. Let's do this. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. do this. You know, I our team, our, our production team, for example, there are times when we have to work twenty four hour shifts, or there are times Ooh. when they have to work way past midnight. Wow. And they volunteer, like they volunteer to do wow. that happily as a team. Um, there are times when there are problems. 
Um, and and they, you know, I love it. Like we have our sales, our sales head Donna, and she has a very high possession already. She, but there's a time when they had to deliver to supermarkets, and the driver didn't show up. She, oh, wow. she used her own vehicle and delivered everything. Um, you know, like and 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 without being asked, without complaining, like she, yeah, they they just do it. Like they go for it. Um, yeah, so I, I love that, and it's fun. It's fun because they enjoy it. It's not work. Isn't um, it's not something that's forced upon them. It's really it's really a family there also, especially when you're working physically together. Um, yeah, it's, it's, and even digitally, I think even with remotely, you really find camaraderie with each other. So I like that. Work has to be fun. It has to be fun. You can't like burn yourself out. You mentioned about family, and that's so true. But at the end of the day, it's not just all rainbows and butterflies and all fun, right? Now, what I want to find out yes. is as founders, as co-founders, as obviously husband and wife and you know, um, co-founders here, how do, you, how do you go through the rough times? Because, of course, that's the tricky part where if you're working with people that you're, obviously you're not your life partner, you have a detachment. Ah, I can go home, have a beer, and rant to my wife, and I'm all right. You guys go home. It's the same person you just became stressed <laughs> out with. I want to understand how you guys settle those differences at work together and how you thrive together with wins. Because this is something, I, there's so many entrepreneurs also that work with their significant other, their wives, their joa, whoever. And I, I love answered, ask, asking this question from people who are doing it well. How do you guys do it? Well, yeah, I guess it's, it's difficult. I mean, because sometimes um, you have to make a decision and then one of the other parties will feel personal about it. No? Mm. Uh, especially if you guys are uh, husband and wife, right? Carries on into the household. So, yeah, you just have to be you know, patient. Um, for, for me, I always follow a saying that no, I don't make promises when I'm happy and I don't talk when I'm angry. I try not to talk when I'm angry because you might, you might say something that hurts the other person. Yeah. That's amazing. That's the sign of great maturity. But for you, Carmelo, what, what, what do you think is the secret to this success? Mm. Find a good partner. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Raph is really like, I'm so blessed. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I, I really think, I really am very, very, very blessed with him. Um, his level of maturity and, you know, he's, it's amazing. Um, for me, I, I know, I, I put myself in his shoes. I know he doesn't see it, mm-hmm. but... I actually don't take it as personally as he probably thinks. I'm just really passionate about yeah. um, certain things only because Ralph and I are very opposite. And I think it's what balances us out because I'm more aggressive and strategic and Ralph is more cautious and calculative. Mm. Um, so there's that tension, you know, I want to push forward. He's like, oh, wait, let's wait, go backwards. Wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a good balance, but yeah. also... I don't really, I don't take it personally. I I just get frustrated, but then I can go to bed 
and not be angry. Very like, tall. I'm fine. Like, I'll just hug him. I'll be like, good night. <laughs> that's fine. Oh, there you go. That's this what, becomes a cheesy podcast. <laughs> I'm <always> speaking for <laughs> myself. Yes. That's good. Yeah. Uh, well, Raf is just like, just kidding. I'm just holding it. All right. Last, last <laughs> question here. If there are a lot of, um, uh, you know, entrepreneurs here that are actually trying to, you know, replicate the same success uh, that you guys have. What would be your tips for those entrepreneurs that, you know, want to explore or are in Lazada already to, to maximize further what they already have? Lazada first. Okay. For Lazada, I think Lazada is really your platform, meaning it is your medium, but it's not your substance. So you really have to be very clear about who you are who you are as a brand, what you are as a product, what kind of contribution do you want to make or impact you want to make in your consumers' lives. So whether you succeed or not is really solely up to you. Lazada makes that limit limitless. So there's no limit to how far you can succeed. It's really you. It, it, it's, it's your identity, your product identity, your brand identity, your, your company identity. So my tip, which would probably counter most entrepreneurs' advice, would really to play. You really have to play. There's a saying that a horse that loves to run um, performs better than a horse that is whipped to run. You know, most founders um, pressure themselves to succeed and scale and, oh, I have to ROI or I have to break even or I have to, um, you know, reach a certain level of success. But I think if you play and do it, yeah, I think playing allows, opens possibilities that are not there when you are pressured by certain um, limitations. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm making sense. Well, we have to play. Yeah. We have to play. And there's really no limit. There's really no limit to what's possible. I mean, we started with nothing at home with 20,000 starting capital. Wow. And we were definitely able to reach six figures within months. Um, we're so proud that the company has never been in debt um, the entire uh, during its entire um, existence, which is, I think, a little different from most. Uh, it also means we had to take a little more time. Um, but back then, the market wasn't ready either. So we had to grow with them. Um, yeah. And know oh, your why. Sure. You have to know your why. You really have to know your why. A lot of people, they focus on like, oh, I want to make a lot of money. Or, or that that's your end goal. But maybe you should also ask why. Like, what problem are you solving? What 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 contribution are you making? So it's not just about having a winning business idea, but also having a solution to something that is real. So the key to the many is the one. If you can solve the problem of one real individual, then you have, have the potential to solve a very real problem for millions of people. Got it. That is amazing. Ralph, any tips, pro tips to maximize Lazada and how to replicate success? If they want to follow the path, just put in Superfood. Mm, yeah, I would recommend trying to get a, like investing in a strong team. Um, if you can do it from the get-go, it'd be better. You'd be able to scale faster. Yeah. 
All righty, thank you so much, Ralph and Carmela, for such an amazing, amazing episode. But before I let you go, if they want to check out and buy and go vegan or turn uh, uh, vegan already, where do they go and how do they find you? Yeah, we're we're in Lazada, we're in um, retail supermarkets, the major ones like Robinsons, Restaurants, Shopwise, yes. Yeah. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can contact us through our website or email at it is there. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. And the website is? Uh, www.thesuperfoodgrocer.com There you go again. Thank you so much, Ralph and Carmelo. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any type of podcast app. And if you see a five-star rating, give us a five-star rating so that we can keep doing amazing content with these amazing founders and entrepreneurs that we have. But if you did say some jargon, don't worry, it's going to be in the show notes in hustleshare.com. And lastly, if you want to be part of our community of hustlers that would like to listen to this podcast, you're going to be in Hustleshare community in Facebook. Again, Ralph and Carmela, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. Thank you so much. And thanks also, Gia and Hira. Thank you. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.